Same, thank you. Okay, gorgeous. Actually, is the there something going on? The... Right outside, so. Well, there's that garbage truck we've been hearing a lot about. It, it, so it literally, like the second I sat down, and this is the third one too. There's a lot of leaf blowers on my street, and I'm not entirely sure Gosh. why. I actually saw one one day, and I wish I took a video of it because there's no leaves. There's no leaves. There's no fucking leaves. What is they doing out there? I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is that you know, like sometimes people hire contractors and they feel like if they don't hear noise or something, then they're not gonna yeah. pay them because they're being right. lazy, because you know that kind of thing. But I don't know. Sure, but I mean, you're just blowing around concrete. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And it's got to be a waste of energy. <laughs> it can't be good for the environment. Certainly not. <laughs> no. A genius makeup artist, stunning seamstress, and Brimstone Airlines employee of the <laughs> millennium. Hailing from the mean streets of Woodstock, Illinois, and presently coming to us via satellite from an undisclosed yet thankfully secure location in Los Angeles. Listeners, please join me in welcoming the one, the only, the Ms. Gigi Good. Welcome, Gigi. <laughs> Hello. Wow, I have never received an introduction quite like that oh well fantastic i'm quite happy to hear I that love it. yeah love that anytime you'd like a stage announce on tape good to know i have your email yeah you do you, you do yeah, indeed exactly. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to see you you seem to be holding up uh, not just well but kind of thriving in this environment i read in an interview in the last however many months that you've really seized this opportunity to hone your craft in the digital realm during this time well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I have been so honored and blessed to have been quarantined with my friends at the House of Avalon and company. Um, and we just have been like nonstop, like streaming and creating and filming and editing like through quarantine. Yeah. I think that we have all really doubled up on what our strengths are. We have have a fully formed production company because of quarantine with with each other. That's great because when you're when, when not just you when we're all out of quarantine, <laughs> the, <laughs> you're gonna really uh, be able to utilize that in so many ways. Yeah. It'll just be like second nature as well. Yeah, totally. I think there's a lot of stuff that people are are getting um, better at that they don't even maybe realize right now. That once yeah, more, it's yeah. it's it's so easy to cloud. Hello, garbage. Okay, it's so easy to wait. Sorry, cloud. sorry. The garbage truck now is depositing garbage in your. The place. Guy, yes, they're they're pouring it in my driveway for the leaf blower to to come by and blow away. That's great. Yes. Um, no, but I think for a lot of people, it's so easy to get wound up in the negative and the loneliness and the um, you know, there, there's just a lot of shit going on right now. Yeah. You know, that's really it's hard to overlook. Sure. And I get it, and I have those days for sure. Um. But I also think people are overlooking the, you know, mental and physical improvements that they may be having without necessarily knowing it. Because being alone, and granted, I'm lucky enough to not have to be alone. I'm with my friends. But being alone, you learn a lot about yourself that will carry over well until you're immersed into, you know, community again. Now, have you ever had an extended period of being by yourself outside of the semi-quarantine nature of being on RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, in a sense. But for me, it was, I've never been completely alone. But throughout high school and everything like that, of course, I had my friends and, and whatnot. But I spent most of my time alone with my mother, mm -hmm. which would usually just mean, you know, her sewing in silence while I'm sitting in the room and watching. And it's just like our little mental bonding time. But yeah. I, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not sure that I would be able to entirely cope with being on my own. I just, I have to feed off of energy from other people, whether it's, it's silent energy, whether it's fun, um, ener energetic 
um, energy, uh, for lack of a better term. I just, there has to be somebody else there. Not just the garbage truck guy. I mean, he's great and everything, but. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, don't, don't discount his company. No, certainly not. I'm saying he's great. You know, I'm giving him full, full credit. Yeah, he's wonderful. I'm not, I was criticizing the leaf blower guy. I just want to get that clear. Thank you. I didn't want to start anything. Right. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Because as we saw on the show, even when there was a little bit of a kerfuffle between you and Heidi, Uh that was about as crazy as it got in terms of the drama, which can sometimes be like insane on the show. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I mean, granted, that, that little bit of drama, which, you know, broke my heart to watch back was at the end of the day, just about a little bit of makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, you know, you got to step outside of your bubble. So you had a wonderful relationship with your mom. But as you noted on the show, I think in a later episode, your relationship with your dad was not always ideal. Yeah, it hasn't always been, um, you know, peaches and cream. And I think we're still uh, missing a few ingredients to get to that final result. But that being said, you know, through the show and through, um, I guess my success, my dad has kind of been able to understand and and not necessarily discredit this art form as a career. Um, when I think for so long, his, his main concern has always been um, finances and the Bible. And um, <laughs> what I was doing, quite frankly, seemed to go against both of those. And to be fair, I mean, when I started doing drag, I had no intention of it becoming a full-time career that I could support myself with. For me, it was just fun while I was living under my parents' roof. But, you know, it it led to a lot of uh, anonymity and um, hostility at some times between me and my dad. And it, it honestly just resulted in my last years of high school just kind of being a stranger mm-hmm. in a way, um, which is, which really sucked because he was the the primary supplier and giver for our family. And I, I, you know, I wish I could have, I wish he could have let me into his life and I could have let him into mine a bit more, but that, you know, that being said, once all of this ended, you know, he finally told me he was proud of me for what I was doing. And that was something I don't remember the last time I had heard from him. So it meant so much and um yeah he's following me on instagram now (laughs) it's like little steps at a time and um thank god that i have my two older brothers and my mom who are my biggest fans in the entire world so quite frankly he's outnumbered and has no choice but to join the club (laughs) right and uh if you have to share the tv he's outvoted I can see how that might have played out. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, I saw in an interview, you said something about when you got into dresses, your mom being a costumer, she had a cedar closet. And I wanted to ask, is a cedar <laughs> closet uh, a storage that's preferred by people like who work with clothing? Well, the cedar closet, I believe, I, I may be wrong, but I believe the cedar closet was a decision on my dad's choice because... If you have a cedar closet that's underground, it's known to be the safest place to go in case of like a natural disaster. And there were a lot of tornadoes and stuff like that um, where we were from when we were on the top of a hill. Oh, okay. So um, anytime there was like a tornado watch, we would just run down in the cedar closet and just be surrounded by 50s garments and (laughs) accessories and all that stuff. But yeah, it was like combination winter coats and... (laughs) costumes so a very cozy fallout shelter if in fact you did have to get stuck there for a while oh my god dream come true for me that's all i need (laughs) so about what age did you start making clothing i think i got behind a sewing machine probably when i was around nine or ten and i remember specifically because i had gotten an american girl doll Mm. and i just didn't quite like the clothes that she came with and um, i had found a pattern book for dolls clothing when my mom was out shopping for fabrics and i was like can we make this dress and she said yes but only if you make it while i watch oh okay and so i think that kind of it was an ugly little dress like a (laughs) i i it was just really bad um but it helped me kind of understand how it felt. And prior to that, from ages like three and up, I was sitting by her side just watching her do it. So it it almost felt like muscle memory. And I'm so glad that I got started on it early because I know exactly what goes through those queens' minds when they are on the show. They say, I'm not a sewing queen. And a lot of people say, you know, 
learn how to sew. You're, you know you're going to be on the show. Learn how to sew. Sewing is a craft that takes years to develop. Sure. And it's not just something you can dive straight into. So I get it. It's like playing piano. I mean, you can get the basics, the rudiments, and sort of make something happen, write a song, etc. But to be at a performance level, it takes a long time. Exactly. Oh my gosh, these trucks. I think they're just handing off garbage back and forth. They, uh, they are. I think the worst is over now. <laughs> yeah, good. good, good. <laughs> Everyone's relieved. After the inauguration, they, they can just let their hair down. Garbage everywhere. Exactly. For everyone. For yeah. free. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of work did your mom do for costume design? Was she doing um, theater? Was she doing television? Yeah. I, um, what's so special about my mom in terms of costume designing? Her full-time job was interior designer. Oh, cool. So she, yes. Yeah, so she did the interiors of homes. And I know she, she did a lot of staging and she would have just like a handful of her clients that eventually became friends that would come to her if they needed window treatments or reupholstery or whatever. So I was around that for a long, long time. And sewing was something that she did as a hobby for me and my brothers for, um, you know, Halloween or Christmas mm-hmm. to have our little matching looks. And um, it, the, the reason that I love the craftsmanship of what my mom does so much is that she's rarely ever been paid for the work that she's done and had, she's never really even thought about payment for what she's done. And what I mean, what I mean by that is um, so much of her sewing work was community children's theater and, um, you know, my high school theater production. And for her, that was just fun getting to like help, help a show come to life. And right. so she, she didn't think of it as a job. She was just like, Oh, it's so fun. And of course these garments were just like absolutely out of this world. Yeah, sure. Her name's Christy, right? Christy with a K. Shout out to Christy. <laughs> Shout out to Christy. Yeah. As my friend Daniela was saying the other day, she was talking about how on Drag Race, you are a great sort of bellwether for what is to come, especially now in post-inauguration times. That, yeah. Uh, I keep thinking that we're headed towards, and are kind of in, but we don't see it yet, a queerer, more female, uh, more diverse totally. future. Which I love. I'm just so much more comfortable. Like, no matter all the details of the situation, just having a woman in office is... Yeah feels like such a weight uh, like a woman's touch is just what this country needs you know absolutely and on the show you alluded to having kind of an anxiety issue surrounding politics mm-hmm. and i guess really an aversion to following politics so i wanted to know has that changed in the last year absolutely i mean absolutely 100 percent. i i feel so much more educated on it now and i'm also not not only in a sense that like i felt the need to educate myself because i did um but after i kind of like got over that fear of knowing whatever's going on and that i like for me it it, it originated as like i if there's something bad going on i don't want to know about it because if the end of the world is coming i'd rather just surprise me <laughs> than i have you know and that is not the mentality to have when you have the power to shift that and to change that and so once i started reading into politics more and um my my when I was starting to kind of get more into it, my favorite um, source was The View because hearing it come from women's mouths, just I, it was so much easier to listen to for me. Sure. And um, through that, I found different outlets and more sources and I just became a little bit more interested in it. It's not still not my forte, but I do feel more involved. Well, that's all one could ask, I think. You know, you're doing your right. civic duty. You don't have to be like the expert on news. Who's your favorite person on The View? Um, well, Whoopi, obviously, sure. because yeah. um, she and meeting her was so, so special. And, you know, just aside from all of her um, political work, yeah. just everything she's been in and her cultural influence and oh, yeah. um, everything, it was just amazing. She was just like the mother we all <laughs> were needing an untucked. Yeah, a friend of mine and I were trying to do the Whoopi Goldberg Film Festival. It sort of fell apart after the first installment, uh, just because of scheduling stuff. But we would have like little movie parties. And we started with Jumpin' Jack Flash, and we were going to move through the entire Mm -hmm. catalog. But it's a good time. I have to recommend Fatal Beauty to anyone who hasn't seen it. Oh, yes. Right? It's so great. Best wigs, I think, in any of her films. (laughs) Yeah, the hair. (laughs) How about some films that you enjoy? Because you seem to have a very uh, deep and rich appreciation for the history of film uh, as evidenced by the Heather's look and some other (laughs) references that you dropped through. 
Yeah, I mean, mo- most of my film knowledge comes from not not necessarily like popular films. Like when I was growing up, really all that my mom would have me watch and all that I really was interested in watching was first and foremost, The Wizard of Oz, which fully, I, I mean, that has shaped me. Absolutely. It shaped my eye for color. It shaped my um, eye for design and imagination. Um, but other than that, like, the movies that I really remember watching were like bed knobs and broomsticks and like tuck everlasting, like the movies that no one really knows about. And it wasn't really until I got to high school and formed a friend group that I started seeing what everyone else was watching. And that's when I sort of got into like, you know, the Heathers and all that stuff. And of course I, I used to throughout high school, love movie musicals. So like little shop of horrors um, and all of that was you know, so much fun. The Adams family had a big influence on my eye as well. Um, But, you know, my, it really, it was not until I moved to LA and met the house of Babylon who are just the most freakish obsessed pop culture fanatics you've ever seen that I really started to have to do my research and my homework. You referenced a few films that were released way before your time, if you will, given your age. So that, uh, I think, speaks to an, an appetite for uh, discovering. Yeah, I I just, I love making people feel nostalgic through my drag because it's my favorite feeling to get sure. um, from something else is to, to bring me back to a certain time. So that's why doing the Heathers look, doing the Daphne look, um, all that kind of stuff was just like, and I'm, I'm working on some looks right now too that are very much hark back to childhood and, sure. you know, the Midwest suburbs and everything like that. The Scooby-Doo that you watched, was that the Mystery Incorporated reboot? No, I mean, I started with the the OG because I, I do have my, my oldest brother is, I think, 30 now. And so I kind of grew up on the cartoons that he grew up on because sure. my parents didn't really care to keep up with the, the times. <laughs> they just kind of reran what was going on. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the OG for sure. Now, you mentioned before how you found your friend group in high school. So what was school like before high school? Middle school was miserable for me, pretty much. It was a place that I, I, I never really came out of the closet. I never really needed to come out of the closet because it was painfully obvious. Um, but that also made it painful to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there was a lot of times when I just didn't really care to tell my parents what was going on or anything like that because in my middle school if I had gotten bullied or pushed downstairs or had my pants pulled down or something like that I was always the one to get in trouble for it I know that song and it it is the worst feeling ever because it almost conditions you to think that it's your fault more and middle school times is a it's a very transformative um point in your life and I almost don't even remember any of middle school because I've blocked so much of it out but um there was a time in middle school that you know I was at the pool alone and I just went to the pool with I think my friends or my family or something and they went off with their friends and I was just sitting alone um and oh my gosh the garbage truck (laughs) literally two of them in front of me just did this sorry no 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 listen keep me updated on this garbage truck thing because uh, I'm not a big conspiracy theory all the stuff that went down recently but I think there is something going on with the garbage men in LA I, I think so too um, so yeah but um, th- there was a time in middle school when I went to the pool and this this boy who now is in prison and gay um, <laughs> tried to drown me oh my god um, which was very scary and very traumatic because all the other kids at the pool thought that we were just like roughhousing and playing but you know I just was traumatized to not know what to do. And this, you know, a, a couple of weeks before the same person had pushed me down a flight of stairs and I got in trouble for it. And, yeah. Um, middle school was just not fun for me. Sure. And so when I got to high school, I kind of realized I should try to be friends with the popular girls, which uh-huh. was pretty easy to do, but the popular girls were the ones to control the bullies. It's interesting how when you're an outsider in a situation like that, you are able to then diagnose 
what the situation yeah. is in terms of the power structures, essentially. Yes, absolutely. I went from being bullied by the basketball team to dating the captain of the basketball team <laughs> in high school. <laughs> That's a good turnaround. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a great teen film. And it's an inspirational yeah. story for anyone listening who might be struggling with some issues like that. Yeah, it'll go by in the blink of an eye, which is why I wish that if I could go back, oh my God, I would just be a nightmare to those people. If I knew what I know now, <laughs> sure. oh, I would just tear that shit up. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean. I can relate. There's parts of uh, school days of my youth that are just not there. And But what I remember is all the music and movies that I would yeah. dive into, right? And in a way, like that's great that I have that. So there's a, not a, I don't like silver lining necessarily as a term, but you know, we make good things out of those times. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now house of Avalon, tell me more about it and how you got involved. <laughs> and I have plenty of other questions about past and stuff like that, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Um, well the house of Avalon, for those of you listening who do not know, um, they're a collective of five people from Arkansas originally. They moved here about four years ago. And in Arkansas, they kind of became famous for throwing these like crazy parties that Ar Arkansas had never seen before. They, they really created and cultivated a queer nightlife for the city. Um, and that was the legacy that they left behind. And I remember seeing them on Tumblr and seeing them on Snapchat throughout my high school. And when I moved to LA, it was four of them here. Um, one of them, Simone, actually did not move to L.A. until uh, this past year and a half or so. Um, so when I moved to L.A. and started working at the same bars, we were hosting together and it just kind of ended up being the thing where we were always at the same club at the same time. And we were just kind of forced to get to know each other and get along. And it was the easiest bond of a relationship that I think I've ever experienced it was just so uh, it was just like harmony when we came together and um keep in mind before we came together i was terrified of hunter crenshaw who is um one of the members of the house he's like the mother of the house um terrified of grant vanderbilt um <laughs> <laughs> caleb who is like our videographer editor he was like the only one that would talk to me and of course marco monroe was off styling Lizzo and touring sure. and doing all of that stuff. And when he came back, it was, you know, we, we clicked as well. Um, and then when Simone moved to town, the whole house was back and I was just lucky to be a part of it. Now, terrified because of your apprehension at approaching them, knowing the legend of House of Avalon? Partially, but also Hunter is the type of person who is usually always dressed in all black and chains and has these terrifying white contacts in his eyes at all times. And when I hear the word resting bitch face, I think Hunter Crenshaw. <laughs> um, but underneath, underneath that resting bitch face and terrifying yet gorgeous um, exterior is this sensitive, caring, amazing um, essentially mother of a house that has so much love for everyone around him. And it's just, it, it, he, I, the work he pours into everybody else's careers is just astounding. Um, Grant was terrifying because you could just, you just, you like Grant in his mind, I think is just constantly playing with dolls. Like every, <laughs> you know, um, and he's, he is damn good at it because the ideas and concepts that he comes up with are just brilliant a sclera lens will do that to you it's very difficult spooky. yeah it's spooky uh, i remember talking to a friend who uh, i think on two different halloweens i just couldn't focus anymore i was like are they mad are they mad at me <laughs> like i couldn't read their emotion and it was like cloudy right. too it was very strange yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> when did you start getting into um the physicality of like the flips and things like that <laughs> Um, well, let me start by saying, I don't even know if I can do that anymore. That's okay. You did it on TV. So it means that <laughs> yeah, that's right? true. <laughs> that is true. That is immortalized. But, um, I was a gymnast for years oh. growing up, mm -hmm. um, actually through middle school, elementary school, I think in like 2013, I got an appendectomy and just blamed that on wanting to quit gymnastics stupidly i really should not have quit gymnastics but um thankfully i learned that a lot of gymnastics is just muscle memory and so when i had done that little flippy do on the show 
I probably hadn't done that for at least a couple of years prior. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> I was just, I just was like, I gotta do something here. <laughs> well, and also when you did it as Madonna in the heels, that right. was like doubly uh, well, impressive. There's a moment on the show, I think later when you're doing the choreography, you are clearly terrified. Jamal Sims says something to you about you being nervous and to shake it off. And you can actually see, and it's not cut, you can see you go from that feeling of terror into owning it immediately. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say that I really do owe so much of my quote-unquote dancing abilities, or I guess the, the, the finding of that to Jamal. First of all, I've never really been in a setting where I've had to take choreography, um, and I've never really been one to move in a graceful way to music. Um, <laughs> but Jamal somehow was able to get to each and every girl's level of experience and really help them through that. And I just, something clicked, and I was like, okay, you know what? There's a method to the madness, and I can figure this out. Yeah. I think that also speaks to something that you said sometimes is interpreted as cockiness, but your confidence, which you also said was really instilled by the relationship that you have with your mother. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I understand where people are coming from when they think that I'm cocky. Um, That's how I'm going to uh, advertise the show, by the way. Cocky, GG, good. This the is, cocky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, it, I do owe it to just um, being raised right and being being raised to believe that I, I am the best at whatever I want to do, and um, as long as I'm not putting other people down, right? Then there's no reason that I can't, you know, feel like I'm at the top of what I'm doing. <laughs> there's many clear examples of you not just not putting people down, but trying to build them up in Untucked and yeah. in other situations, which is nice to see. Going to the show, I I, I really wanted to make a point of like. Uh, of course I'm there to compete and to win, but also like, I love helping people figure out sewing. I love helping people figure out hair. I like just like being a part of other people's looks and experiences. So I yeah. definitely wanted to incorporate that. One quote from the show that I want to quote verbatim to you, because I think it's really interesting is uh, when you're talking about anxiety, essentially. And you say, I think what I do is convince myself that the self-doubt isn't there. And it obviously is. Internally, I compare myself to others all the time. I'm always very hard on myself. That's why I always feel like outwardly, I need to look as pristine as possible. It's just something to deal with later that never gets dealt with. And I was curious where you're at with that. Is that something that you're still dealing with? Because it seems like you're handling the um, pandemic pretty well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yes, yes. And no, I think that after watching myself go through that on television, it was definitely an outside perspective. I don't know. It's hard to explain because I do feel that I still compare myself to others all the time. And really anyone is lying if they say that they don't, because I just think that it's something that is ingrained. It's instinctual. If someone is doing something similar to what you're doing, your instinct is to compare yourself to them. Absolutely. So I, I do still do that, but I think I've kind of changed the perception of how I'm comparing myself to other people. I don't necessarily do it in a negative light anymore. It's kind of more um, a realization of every single thing that every person is doing is completely different from the other person. So it's fun to compare what you're doing to other people. It's fun to find the differences. It's fun to find the similarities and it's fun to see other people's creative processes through a similar um, you know, prompt. Right. And there's a way to do it where you can look at someone else's process and say, oh, what about that might be yeah. helpful for me? Or what can I learn from that? Instead of, oh, fuck, they you know, scored totally. this or did this, and then negatively talk to yourself as if yeah. you suck because you didn't do the same thing as them. Exactly. Because they more than likely could look at you and do the same thing. Right. It's very case by case, too. And um, I, I do find now having such a close friend and sister going through the race right now with Simone, um, I do find myself comparing my experience to hers um, completely, you know, unintentionally. It's just something that lives in my mind. And of course, sometimes I feel like 
you know, oh my gosh, you know, she's getting such a better run than I am and this, this and that, which first of all is extremely bittersweet because I could not be any more excited for her to be like at the forefront of everybody's screens. Sure. But secondly, I also have to realize that everything that's going on for her right now there's been an entire year's worth of growth with everyone around us. We've all learned how to do new things. And when I was going through this, we didn't all have the means to, you know, have the exact same experience. Um, And of course our season was cut short by the pandemic when nobody saw it coming, you know, Simone's season is so amazing because in a sense, like nobody has anything better to do but to watch. So all eyes are on them. Right. And it's, um, they, they have, they've had the most amount of viewers in a premiere in the history of the show, which is like, um, like I, I cannot be any happier for Simone right now. Who are some favorite queens of yours from yesteryear? I love, I, I, you know, this is the one at the, the frontal lobe for me is Ms. Violet Tchotchke. Sure. Um, she's definitely changed the game of how I view drag and um, kind of that broke my entrance into my own sort of originality um, versus looking at what other queens were doing and trying to do what they were doing. I love Jinx for her sense of humor. I love Ben de la Creme for her performance style. Bob the Drag Queen is one of the best spoken people I have ever witnessed in my life and also one of the kindest and most understanding um, and talented. I love Bob. Um, yeah, Naomi, I've been lucky enough to become friends with Naomi and I looked up to her, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I looked up to You're Naomi. You're getting emotional. I understand. It's a, you know, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Oh, it is a beautiful thing. But I looked <laughs> up to her. I followed her. I loved her fashions. And um, of course, when I was watching her, I was a fan. And then when I became a friend, it was a whole new perspective into it. And I got to see the person behind the art. And it was just really fun. Oh, that's fantastic. And she is wonderful. Now, do you have any favorite junk food, especially one that you go to a little too much, too often during this time? I've had such a terrible sweet tooth this quarantine. I've been pretty much just like craving and eating anything sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, I love candy and, you know. What kind of candy? So when we actually have a drag con, the fans can bring it to you. Ooh, good to know. Skittles really get me going. Mm -hmm. I do love a Skittle. Um, (laughs) I've never, I'm not crazy into chocolate, you know. Yeah. I can dig chocolate, but also it's like the, uh, the, I love Chex Mix. I love oh. like the salty mm-hmm. cheese it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's the moment. Yes. Trail mix, boring stuff. No, you just described like sort of what I tore through uh, around <laughs> Christmas. I just got everything like that. Every kind of like family yeah. size as well, you know? And yeah. The tins. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause you're like, well, that's just, that's just a good value. Uh, have you ever had Garrett's popcorn? No, I don't think so. No. It's a Chicago thing oh, okay. for sure, okay. but I just, I mean, I, I just, whenever people travel, they seem to just get Garrett's pop. It's the best thing in the world. Okay. So. Well, I'm going to have to try that out. I love to yes, try different are. snacks. And what, is, <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what are some other uh, favorite Chicago delicacies? Um, well, obviously deep dish pizza is the, uh, it's, I think that's what Chicago is most known for in terms of food. And sure. downtown you have like Lou Malnati's and um, I'm, blanking on the other piece. It's been so long since I've been back to Chicago, but that's kind of what we did. Like on birthdays, we would go downtown. Yeah. We would go to like build a bear workshop or the mall or something like that. And then we would go to Lou Malnati's and have a deep dish pizza. Um, and then, you know, my mom's cooking, which was always just a choice of like a Rolodex of four different meals. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she was too busy making these amazing outfits. So Apparently. do you ever cook at all? Uh, no, I actually, <laughs> I just, I just got my bandaid off my thumb <laughs> two days ago because I sliced the tip of it off trying to make a HelloFresh meal. There you go. It, there was a sign from the universe saying, Hey, what are you doing? This it is said, not for you. Said, get away from the meal. Just <laughs> go on Postmates, get whatever you want. It'll be there in 15 minutes and you'll be fine. It's LA. There's plenty of healthy options. What are you, what are you bothering yes. with this for? 
Yeah. Exactly. So I'm never cooking again. Thank you very much. <laughs> I screwed up a batch of chili a couple days ago and I went, see, this is this is why. I don't know why. And it's very simple, chili. It's only a few ingredients. I don't know quite what went wrong. Maybe the <laughs> spices. But your finger fell into it. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to I didn't want to say that, but you mentioned it. So <laughs> I, you know, I like to be fully uh, open and honest on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what about dating? What was your first sort of situation? Hmm. Well, I, a lot of dating. Ooh, my first dating situation was. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply very long distance through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was with this boy, um, who lived in England and Leeds. I get it. Which get it. <laughs> of course I, I mean, I was like, I don't even know how old I was at the time, but I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a British boyfriend. <laughs> and it, it actually was on and off for like quite a while, not going to lie. And then, sure. um, I didn't start dating like in real life until probably junior year of senior junior senior year of high school and that's when i dated a member of the basketball team who's very tall and i was just proudly walking through the halls and i would say overall in my life i've probably had two serious boyfriends mm -hmm. three three maybe two and a half serious boyfriends yeah what about non-serious fun how many uh <laughs> candidates for that category well, certainly not right now. Well, I'm a well, little too paranoid to be. Yes, yes, yes. But um, no, I was never. I was never really a sexual person in high school or in college necessarily. I had um, in college. I had a two-year relationship with a boy, and I mean, we never once had sex. Really? Wow. It really, and it wasn't even something that ever came up in conversation. It was just we're dating. We'll do the other fun stuff, but. You know, oh, so there is some never... fun stuff. You mean like some oh, yeah, fun yeah, stuff, like, yeah. you know, hand stuff or whatever? You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all, you just mean the, like full. All the foreplay. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I've just, um, I've never had, you know, full, like, penetrative <laughs> sex. It's so sure. weird to talk about, but um, it, it just has never really happened. And it's not something I'm ashamed of or I'm you not, shouldn't be. I don't. It doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Um, I'm not really interested in it. You know what I mean? Um, but if it happens, it happens, and it hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, you know. Uh, and uh, certain things in my life, I was a late bloomer too, uh, certainly. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to follow that course. And however you're happy with what you're doing, is that's good. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's just something so stunning about being a virgin, you know. You know, that, <laughs> there you go. That's right. Yeah. And you can, like, drop that in a conversation on a date too, right? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Plus, um, it's good to be familiar and fond of the FaceTime sexuals, particularly during this time. Exactly. That's what I'm used to. That's probably how it'll stay for a while. After this quarantine is over, I'll go out to go shopping, might grab a bite to eat, and then I'm still staying inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be a, a strange, slow rollout. And it's funny, I always think of Precinct as the place that I oh want to get back to. I remember seeing you there. Yeah. Um, and also, at, at one of my last uh, times going out in the U.S. before, because I was in London before coming back home for the world mm -hmm. to shut down, uh, yeah. was was at Precinct. Uh, Christine was doing a show, and I was, I, you know, making out with a stranger. It was like all the things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now you think back to that stuff, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so dirty. There are so many germs. Oh my god, and stuff yeah. Like that. I, I, 
I don't even know if I'll be able to uh, go back to anyone even touching me in public for a while. For a while. <laughs> I think we'll get back there. I have faith in us. We will. We will. We will. I mean, I have some friends in Australia right now and they're like, it's wide open. No one's wearing masks. Like, everything's fine. We've done our job. And I was like, well, good for you. Must be nice. I know. I know. When, when it, I've heard reports from friends from Australia, I have the same split. Uh, verdict on it. I'm like, that's terrific. It's a sign that we'll get there. And it sounds like you're talking to me from Mars. Please stop telling me about this yes, until we're sort rude. of on. Yeah, yeah. Because we're we're in the worst place in the world, Los Angeles. The and that is not even an exaggeration. The worst no. place in the world. Right. There was wow. actually a news story that came out that said basically just don't leave the house. Like don't even like go up for a walk. Are you good at getting out of the house and like well, getting some fresh me- air? Getting up and getting out of the house is walking um, 20 feet to the house of Avalon. That's my, that is my like vitamin D for the day. Um, But other than that, I really just don't. And have you had COVID? I don't think so. I got really sick in London before I came back, but I also had an ulcer, but I I felt like I had a flu and I don't, I could have just been really run down. I never lost the sense of taste or smell. But also when I was recuperating, I was eating like, four to six times the amount of food I would normally eat. So I, I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm uh, hopeful it wasn't COVID. Could have just been like a bug. I think so. Something like that. Cu- coupled with an ulcer. So, you know, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, totally. um, but no, I haven't. Have you? I haven't had it. None of us have, have had it yet. I thought that I had it at one point because I was just like dying in my bed and um, come to find out it was just because I was malnourished because I decided to be a vegetarian for four months. <laughs> Now, what brought on the choice to be a vegetarian? Was it just, uh, I'm going to make the most of this time? (laughs) Well, I was just like, I I just was, you know, my, my, I'm, I just don't have great eating habits. I, I don't eat super well. I have been lately eating better, but I was just like, maybe if I go vegetarian, like there would be more healthy options. And there were granted, I would still go to like, um, like vegan chicken tenders and like <laughs> fries and stuff like that. Yeah, um, tater tots are a real bitch during this time. I gotta say, I'm always like, don't, don't do it. Always from Doghouse. Oh, oh. Those tater tots are great. <laughs> but yeah, so then and I, I did it for like four months, and for the first few, I, I felt good because I was actually eating healthy, and um, then I just was not getting any protein. Oh, right. <laughs> Right, right. At all. <laughs> yeah, and not even realizing it until you were dying in your bed. Exactly. It was starch and some greenery. Pretty much. Uh-huh. Some greenery. S- some greenery, just a little bit to decorate it to be yes. like, oh, vegetarian. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. like some, a sprig of something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, when you say your eating habits um, were this way or that, what were your eating habits uh, around the time? Or what are your eating habits in general? Well, I, I mean, most of everything I eat is just from Postmates. And I... It sounds very expensive and sometimes it is, but I justify that by, you know, I don't have a car. I'm not paying car payments. I don't pay for gas. Like I'm not, I don't buy grocery. There's nothing in our refrigerator and I I don't eat three full meals a day. So if I'm spending like 25 to $30 a day on food, it's no different than, you know, whatever. Listen, you buy groceries. I've listen, I've done this mental calculus so many times it's it's such a kindred spirit on this issue i gotta say because uh i'm like well if i fuck up all this chicken or let it rot in the fridge that's a complete waste so why don't i get this chicken salad from gelson's that i know i'm gonna like right oh yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) and i I mean i'm usually like tender greens is always my go-to um their heart their harvest chicken salad is lovely i can't tell you how many times i've eaten that um and yeah, I, I also have been getting a lot of uh, sushi, but I don't like seafood or fish at all. Really? Now, wait, do you get the fish sushi or do you get the what? Okay. No, what do you I get? I don't get fish sushi. I, I always just get like veggie sushi with like cucumber and avocado and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I like, I, I think for me, it's the, um, the way of eating sushi with the chopsticks is just very glam to me. Yeah. So, it, and that's fine. I love miso soup and like, you know, gyoza, all that stuff. So that's been my my main um, source of nutrition. Listen, if, uh, <laughs> if uh, Eleganza can guide you to a veggie dish that has some protein because av- avocado, right? Yes. And there's no harm in that. And it do. Maybe a glamour cookbook or eating guide. You could put out a little pamphlet. 
I've thought about doing cooking videos because I have no idea what's going on and it would just like end in a misery. Um, and that I think could be fun. That could definitely be fun. Yeah. You could either be, um, eating it with a sour look on your face or just dumping it in the garbage. Yeah. Never taking a single bite. (laughs) Thank you so much for watching. As you're scraping it into the trash (laughs) and there's still burnt stuff on the pan. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You've been in LA how long now? Uh, A year and a half, two years? Two two years and some change, I believe. Yes, yes. I've I've spent two t- two New Years here. So yes, you were already uh, blowing it up on Instagram before you moved here, right? I you I guess you could say that. I mean, I I probably had like four thousand followers in high school or in um college. Maybe more. I don't. I honestly don't remember. But I had a completely different account. Oh no, I had I had at least like. 10,000 followers on a separate account in college, which was Samuel Steven. And I was like a beauty boy, MUA, whatever. And um, I remember the day I got put on Anastasia Beverly Hills PR list in college. I w- I just felt like the only bitch. I invited <laughs> all my friends over to look through all the makeup and of course not take anything. Um, <laughs> no, just for when you go to the store, you can see what they have and you'll know ahead yes. of time. That's all. So, but that, when that happened to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like these people see something in me. I shouldn't be here. Like I shouldn't be rotting away in Decatur, (laughs) Illinois. I should be where the the stars are. Yeah. Um, And so that my main motivation was becoming a a makeup beauty influencer, um, which I did become a part of that world when I first moved here for a, a good while. And I hated it. Um, because it just was like the worst people, like really, really like some of these influencers are just the most shallow, vapid, fake people. And I just can't like, I I can't fake a conversation with people to save my life. And that's just what it was constantly. Um, you're doing a good job right now, by the way. And I want to thank you for that. No, <laughs> thank you. It's, I'm sweating. <laughs> no, I know. I can set you. You're squeezing that stress ball and stuff, but it, it, it's okay. You're getting through it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but then um, when I was doing all of this and started doing drag at bars and I ended up having to quit my job because I was doing drag so much. And um, that's when I was like, I'm just going to audition for RuPaul's Drag Race. I've been watching it for a long time and I kind of think I could do it. Um, and then I did it. yes you did you certainly did (laughs) and again like violet you know an incredible um achievement and skill level and determination and confidence for your age by the way which is a proper old thing to say by the way but (laughs) (laughs) But, i I do really appreciate that oh well good good it's okay to say proper old things if they're appreciated on the other side so that yes 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 i get a pass on that then a tit for tat yes perfect Uh, uh, what is it a retitter for the the what i can't quite remember a a retitter for my rebuttal for my rebuttal yeah (laughs) right look over there (laughs) Uh, that's one of my favorite things And what job was it that you quit? Well, okay. When I moved to LA, my parents told me when I dropped out of school and moved to LA, because I was only a sophomore, my parents were like, okay, this is fine. You can do this, but we're not giving you a single penny um, for the rest of your life. And they held that end of the bargain for sure. But um, when I, so when I moved to LA, I was like, I would sooner die than get a job at Target or get a job at Starbucks or anything like that. So I just, the only places I looked were like beauty supply places and like makeup artist gigs. And of course I had a couple like sponsored whatevers that got me barely anything. But so I started working at friends beauty supply, which is like, if you've ever heard of like Nigel's or Namie's, it's like the opposite version of that. It's like the, well, it's this, the rival company. So it was just like, um, oh, so describe, describe those though. Cause like, I'm not, I've heard of Nigel, okay. but I don't know the sort of the, I don't know the company culture as you're maybe right. describing. Right. Well, um, so Nigel's and Namie's and friends are all beauty supply stores. So they sell the basic, like, um, Anastasia Beverly Hills, like, um, NARS, Mel, like all that makeup, they sell it. They have lashes and stuff like that, but they also work with TV and film. So they sell wigs and they sell, um, like prosthetics and temporary tattoos and all of that kind of stuff, airbrushing. And so I worked as wig specialist at friends, beauty supply, 
And I remember the first Rue girl I ever saw in person was Alaska because she came into Friends Beauty Supply and I almost lost my shit. And <laughs> of course, everyone who worked there was just like in the special effects world and wasn't really in the world of drag. So I was like, you guys don't even know who that is. <laughs> and um, yeah, but then I, I, it was miserable. I hated that job. The The person who was in charge of me was just very rude and condescending and made me feel like I didn't know what I was doing. And so thankfully when I started getting booked and booked and booked, I didn't have time to go to work because I had to work on my drag Yeah, and I could afford to pay my rent. So I was like, bye bitch. Yeah. You made the right investment in uh, all regards. Yeah. It it is a shame when you're trying to just uh, make a living at something that's adjacent to the thing that you like and you're good at it and people have a shitty attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also college for me. I did not like, I was a a theater design and production with an emphasis in hair and makeup major, which is drag. Um, And I just had professors that did not know anything about the craft of makeup and wigs. And granted, I was still learning, but I was self-taught and I knew what worked for me. But I was like, I, I would get bad grades for everything that I did because I did it not the way that they showed us. And I was like, you're kidding. Like my shit looks so much better than yours, bitch. Like, <laughs> right, my right. God. And I just was like, I, I, enough of this. Like, I can't, I can't just sit here and pretend to take in what you're saying because I, I it's bullshit. <laughs> it's like a, almost a companion feeling to the thing when you're younger of being blamed for being picked on. Yeah, a bit. You're right. What first sparked your interest in makeup? I mean, outside of the obvious, like admiring something. But when was the first time you picked up a, a brush and what were you doing? Well, well, theater got me into makeup. My first experience with makeup was um, I, oh my gosh, it is actually coming back to me for like the first time just talking about it now. But um, when I was in the fifth grade was my very first production. Well, I had done some in elementary school, but you didn't have to wear makeup for that shit. So um, <laughs> when I when I was doing um, High School Musical Junior in the fifth grade, uh, they wanted all of the boys to wear eyeliner and mascara and foundation and um, blush because you didn't want to look dead on stage and then lipstick because your lips might be covered in foundation and this, this, and that. And eventually, like, I would like pay close attention as the makeup people were doing it to me. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like a diva right now. And I look like one too, um, which obviously I did not look like a diva, but it really, really sparked something in me. Um, and of course, prior to that, I would always fuck up my mom's makeup and like rub my <laughs> fingers and put it all over my face, but it never became a serious thing until theater. And then throughout all of middle school and high school theater, I always was the one who was in charge of hair and makeup for the entire cast. And I would sure. just take on that role and I fell in love with it. And I would end up doing like 50 wigs for a production of Adam's Family and just be like, just doing it and send it along, doing another one. And it was just fun. Were you also um, acting in the productions as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no wonder you're so good at all the there are many <laughs> things you do because, you know, like I think you mentioned it at the beginning of the, the season or one of the judges did. Sometimes someone like you can come into the show and they're like, oh, looks queen, uh, underestimated totally about the personality charm and the um, acting ability and comedic ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I knew going into the show that that was a, a sort of stigma that I wanted to break a little bit. And I'm I'm very satisfied with what I did on the show and and um, what I was able to show, I definitely like looking back on the season now, of course it's almost two years old and dr- my drag has changed so dramatically since then. And I look back and I'm like, oh, you could have done that so much better. Oh, but I think everyone <laughs> does that. It's, it's you know, yes. <laughs> there's no, I mean, it's funny because a lot of, I, I was listening to some interview with some film director who was like, I, I'd love to reshoot this. And it's like, no, 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 no. You would ruin the thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's, it's so right. funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to, maintain the proper distance from your old work sometimes especially when it's shown to you all the time all the time (laughs) (laughs) but uh back to the instagram thing for a minute uh when did you start doing the um how did you describe it before the makeup boy uh, beauty boy beauty boy forgive me (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) 
Um, well, college was one of the um, first times I felt truly comfortable wearing a full face of makeup out to class. And it, that on, honestly led to me like installing full lace front human hair wigs and, and just like wearing it to stage construction class, just, you know, because I could and no one would judge me. And it was like a liberal arts school. So everyone was doing their own thing. And I had friends that came from walks of life that I had never seen before. Um, the first time that I wore makeup out in public was um, my last day of senior year in high school. And it was a very powerful moment for me. And I, it made me realize that I should have been doing it a lot sooner because I got so much love for it and so much, you know, praise and um, uh, just attention in general, which I love. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so in, in um, college and like the end of high school times was kind of when like James Charles was blowing up. And when Manny MUA and, um, you know, Jeffrey, like all these beauty men in beauty um, were, were coming to the surface. And I was like, oh, my God, I could totally do that. Easy. I, I did it. And I didn't realize how hard it was and how much it really is like a right place, right time thing to get famous in the beauty industry. Sure. Through that, though, I did find what ultimately became my right place, right time. Exactly. And it's another example of, you know, sort of embracing your full self because it, yeah. and because it's not the first thing you think of particularly when you're bullied as a kid and yeah. and then also this thing which is not you don't really see examples of it in your community generally absolutely right someone your yes. age wearing makeup you might see it on the internet but then sometimes you think yeah but i live here i don't live there yeah there was no one else where i was even in um college there was not a single other boy that was walking around the campus with makeup on so um, in a way, I did still feel, yeah, a, a bit alone, but in college, it was a different kind of alone. It was more fierce. <laughs> yes, exactly. An emboldened, uh, sickening yes. alone. Yes. Yes. Right, right. Standing out. Not, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's unavoidable, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Do you have a preferred pronoun or preferred pronouns? No, not really. I, I will say that through quarantine, I have had a lot of exploration with gender and um, different realizations here and there. And I found that for people who don't know me or for people who, who found, who met me after drag race, he, him pronouns, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with um, for people who have known me prior to that. I have absolutely no issue with as long as they're using it with respect. Sure. Um, sure. But I think that's kind of the blanket feeling I have overall is that you can label me and call me whatever you want to, as long as it's being used with respect. Um, and if you don't know what pronouns to use, it's just safe to use they or my name. <laughs> yeah. So it would be the same sort of thing as if someone knew you when you went by Sam or Samuel. Yeah. Right. Now, yes. do, do you have a preference? Do you prefer to be called Gigi in general by everyone? I think I've fallen in love with, Gigi as like a separate entity and as a name so much that I just I relate so much more to Gigi than I do to Sam now um and even my mom calls me Gigi a lot now and um you know none of my friends here call me by my my first name even my my roommate who's known me since freshman year of high school yeah um calls me Gigi and it's just I feel more comfortable with Gigi well it's a, it's a lovely name Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> there was a technical issue, and uh, we were talking about uh, our sleep habits. And mine, yeah. mine have been totally bizarre. Now, they always have been. Since I was a, a, a youth, or a youth, as you would say, <laughs> and my cousin Vinny, but a baby, I was always kind of nocturnal. But they now they shift and slide. And a weirder part is sometimes I can only sleep for two to three hours at a time. And then I'm like in a semi-twilight state, and then I go mm -hmm. back to sleep. How about you? How's it been for you? I think I totally get that two to three hours at a time thing. For me, I mean, usually I'm the type of person that I can lay down and close my eyes whatever time it is and sleep for a full nine hours and be fine. Um, but right now, it's just been really hard with my new eyeballs. Um, <laughs> That's right. You got LASIK a couple days ago, right? I did. I just got LASIK fresh off the train, and um, <laughs> it it's not it's not painful, but it almost feels like if you were to sleep with like a colored contact lens in, or um, sure, it, it feels like there's something in there, and you can't rub it. You're not allowed to rub your eye. You can't do anything, and so can you rub around the outside or no? 
Yes, you can. I mean, I can, I can like rub it gently and I did just have to apply makeup the other day for, for something, but I was very gentle, (laughs) very nervous. Um, but yeah, it's just like the, like, it's like closing your eyes when there's like a piece of dust in it is what it feels like when you're sleeping. And so it's really hard to fall asleep, but it's fine. They feel fine now. Oh, good, good. How many days did they tell you that it would be before they would feel back to normal? Well, some people, it's the very next day, it's completely back to normal. For me, it took like four full days, five, I think I'm on my fifth day now. Um, But it's obviously like this discomfort is completely overshadowed by the fact that I can like see a thousand feet in front of me, the road signs and the, and the um, license plates and all that. It's like crazy. (laughs) Now, how blind were you before? Because I am quite blind without my corrective lenses. Like a minus... 10 and one eye. I don't know. Every time I tell oh, people the number, yeah, see, that's exactly the reaction I get every time I tell oh, people. <laughs> Jesus. Um, damn. Um, ba- basically, before the thin lens technology, my glasses <laughs> looked like like Roy Orbison or, you know what I mean? It was like a big, oh, thick. Yeah, thick and cloudy yes. looking. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. So you wear contacts then? Yeah. And now, finally, in the last two years, they've been able to develop daily use contacts for my complicated uh, array of eye features is how I like to think of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I wasn't ever like, I I wouldn't say I was blind, but it is definitely like if I was standing outside someone's house, I couldn't read the address numbers, you know, like I would not be able to tell what that was. I can't make out a person's face across the street um, or street signs for that matter. So I could have lived day to day. But it, I would have been really sad because I really wouldn't be able to see that much. <laughs> right, right. Now, did you ever have uh, an experience where you're like at the club but not wearing your contacts? Yes. And then not recognize someone, that whole fun game? Um, yes. And then you get messaged and you're like, <laughs> hey, like you looked right at me and didn't even say hi. Like I'm visiting from out of town. I thought we were friends, this, this, and that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I wanted to try yellow contacts tonight and they didn't come in my prescription and I, I just I couldn't see anybody. Um but it's always a great excuse, too, if someone comes, because sometimes people have come at me before being like, you didn't say hi to me. I'm like, oh, sorry, didn't have my contacts in. <laughs> right. I, I had that once. I realized that's when I had to go get a new prescription because I was in the garage of my building. And I yeah. used to know a couple of folks that lived upstairs. And I generally just, because I, I couldn't see anyone really. So I, I would yeah. recognize them. Not like now when you can't see anyone really. But uh, I would wave to anyone in the building because I was like it might be my friends it might not be I don't know so this happened and I said it in such a robotic way to my friend Katie that when I got up and I went oh, oh it's you and I was like hey did that seem weird a minute ago when she's like yeah what, what's going on and I was like oh and I explained it to her and, she, uh, and I said gee I think I might need a prescription and she was like yeah yeah go to the doctor that was really weird <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we were mentioning in the emails before this about that other surgery that you can get. Yes. Right? So there's one that I was told about because, oh, yeah, I can't get LASIK. I got screened for it. And they said, well, basically, we could give it to you, but you'd get uh, like all the side effects in about 70% of the of positive effects. And I went, I'll, I'll wait. But they said, oh, there's this other one. And they showed me the whole thing. And then they told me it was 10 grand an eye. And I was like, I'll just, I'll get those contacts again. But you were talking about one. And the one I was talking about, they replaced the back lens of your eye. And is that the oh. one that they talked about? Because you said that there's one that they can change the color of your eye. Yeah. So the one that I was talking about, I, I saw a video because someone on um, uh, Top Model had done this. Someone with like very beautiful, rich, dark skin went in and got the surgery. And I did this. I did my research because I was very curious about it. Um, and it's essentially them like slicing into your layer your top layer and almost sliding in a super thin lens and then spreading it out and then letting that layer bond to itself again i don't think that it can correct your vision but it's it's just like a translucent colored sheet that kind oh, of okay. sits under the top layer and on top of your iris and um i would totally get that done <laughs> <laughs> now would you then be tempted to sort of switch it out every six months or something well, I'm not sure if it's that easy, but I, I have always like lately I've been doing brown eyes, but that's only in drag. But that's only because um, I've had to not wear contacts for like several weeks before getting the surgery. 
my drag eye normally is like a light, light gray. And I think that it shows off makeup so much better for me personally. And I would totally get that done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, light gray. It's a very striking look. Yes, zombie. (laughs) That's what I want. I had a question for you about the uh, perfume that you created during the advertisement. And I was wondering, the, the gag of the ingredients that you say is horse tranquilizer. And of course, I had to wonder... Maybe someone stepped in and said, you can't say ketamine. Was that part of the original <laughs> recipe? Um, I, I don't even think I knew what ketamine was at that time, to be honest. <laughs> but um, now you do. And that's now good to I know. Do, and now it's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I did not put that two and two together. But I, th- I just thought I was being really funny. <laughs> and apparently they didn't get the joke. <laughs> It's nice that Ross um, mentioned your uh, weird little mind. Although I don't know, little, not yes. necessarily, but definitely weird. Uh, That's an appreciated small. thing. Small. <laughs> well, you're such, a, you're such a slender thing that, you know, yeah. like a, a, <laughs> too, too large of a brain. <laughs> My head is just really long on the profile. <laughs> you know your angles, so you keep that hidden, yes. and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, yes. When's your birthday? What's your sign? December 2nd, 1997. Well, happy birthday, a belated one, but... Oh, thank you. Um, same as Brittany. Okay. Um, yes, and I'm a Sagittarius. Interesting. Now, are you a big Brittany fan? Um, I am now that I have met Grant Vanderbilt. Because Grant Vanderbilt, is, he's the ultimate Brittany fan. <laughs> no love, one bigger. I love talking to really, really, really deep uh, Brittany stands because they know all kinds of stuff like Bible Girl obsessed the knowledge is wild that some people just have about someone and then it makes me think like someday is someone gonna know all that about me right hopefully (laughs) (laughs) i mean maybe i just don't want the the uh, side effects (laughs) now before we go is there anything that you'd like to talk about that we didn't chat about today um i do have some very exciting very secret projects coming out. I know you hear that all the time. It's really annoying, but NDAs are a bitch. Um, but it is, there are things that I've been working on for months and months and months that are, that are about to come to the surface. Um, I have new merch coming out as well. Very excited about that. And um, yeah, it's just like, I'm taking everything right now day by day. And I kind of think everyone else should too. There's, there's no definite end to what's going on. So you might as well live every single day. Like it's its own thing and um, find inspiration anywhere you can. I couldn't agree more. And also some days when you just can't get out of bed or you can get to the couch, but you can't quite do anything. It's okay. It's fine. What do you got to do? Yeah, exactly. I've actually like thrown the computer when I'm editing something or trying to. And when you're in that mode, you're just like, I, and then you're hearing your own voice, you know, you're working on your own stuff. You're just like, that's the last thing I would ever want to listen to right now or whatever. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's lovely. And uh, Gigi, it's been lovely chatting with you and I look forward to that. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Hey there. If you would like ad free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends.